0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning and happy Easter, Restoration Church. It is so great to be together and, um, My name is Nate, and uh, I'm the lead pastor of Restoration Church, and today we celebrate in, in Plymouth, in Milton, in Dover, and for the first time in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. For those of you joining us for the first time, thank you for trusting us on Yuri. Easter Sunday to worship with us, to have the opportunity for, to hear us share Jesus with you. And for anybody who's joining us in any of our services, you know, what's our objective today? What's our hope today? Well, first, if you know Jesus, that there would be a deep, deep gratitude in a, in a, a very real um, sense of how great he is and what he's done for you. Sometimes if you've been following Jesus for a long time, you can forget who you used to be. You can forget what you were saved from. And, it can, and if you forget that, I mean, what do you become? You become like so many of the people that opposed Jesus. If you're here today and you have never believed in him, Maybe you decided a long time ago to stop following him. My hope today is that something will switch in your heart and that you'll say, all right, all right." If, you, if you've done that, if you've accomplished that, then I'll trust you and I'll follow you, that's what we want for you. And so you know that right from the get-go. That's our agenda, that's my agenda as we talk here and share for a few minutes, and then we'll go back, we've got a few more songs we wanna sing and worship and celebrate together. Well, my, my wife, uh, Michelle and I, Michelle's at, at Milton today, so make sure if you're Milton, you treat her well. Um, but we, uh, a, few, a few years ago, actually a long time ago now, 2015, we went and, stayed a few days at her grandmother's house in Florida. And at the time, we had a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a five-year-old. And um, uh, I could like almost cry thinking about it. <laughs> like, oh, you missed those days? No. <laughs> but we go and stay at her... Grandmother's house, so the boy's great grandmother's house. And before you think of like this, like kind of itty bitty, frail lady, I think maybe two or three years ago, she had broken her ankle as she was skiing in Italy. So she's very active, very. Um, but we ended up getting there late at night, and because uh, we drove, and we uh, we had put the kids in a room to sleep. And the next morning, she's kind of showing us around. She she lives in this you know in this gated community, which I think you have to do in Florida to to keep the Florida people out. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, it's kind of a modern house, but it's filled with just a bunch of stuff from our past. And I remember. Again, like you got to think, these are boys and uh, and they're little. And I remember, honestly, I'm probably having like some trauma trying to talk (laughs) through this. But I remember her showing us around the house and where the boys were staying in like her office. Two feet away, she's describing, "Oh, this, like this." Um, I don't even know what you call it. It's kind of a mix between a, a credenza or an armoire or a nightstand. It was, she goes, this was from my grandmother. It's from 1890. And the thing is like solid glass almost. It's like fine, thin, wavy glass, the entire front of it. And it's filled with things that are very valuable. And I just immediately went, we need to leave I'm not exaggerating, because I thought, how do you keep a one-year-old from taking his sippy cup and just going, bah, and just smashing it? Irreplaceable. And, and so she was bringing this around now, so it's like, yes, this is from that, and this is from, uh, you know, this was from this ancestor, and this painting was from, and I was like, this is not the place we need to be right now. Now, I, I she um, she could be watching online from Florida, so certainly I never expressed this to her and she'd probably feel bad that I'm telling this story, so don't feel bad. Uh, we just didn't want to trash your house, all right? We don't want to be those relatives. and. But eventually, all right, we, we spent our two days there, and it was a Sunday morning, and we're going to go to church, and again, like, I feel bad if she watches this, I don't want her to hear this, but it was a Sunday morning, we're going to go to church, and so we, we scoped out a church that we were going to drive to that morning, and we left three hours early because <laughs> I just needed to get the boys away from everything that they could accidentally or even purposely destroy. And this, have you? I, I just wonder. I mean, have you ever felt something like that, that a tension from being at, of you know, from being at a, a family member's house and just worried about you're going to break something, your kids are going to break something—that constant tension of maybe not even breaking something, but the constant, constant tension of feeling like you're going to do something wrong. Anybody ever felt like that before? Show me your hands. A lot of people felt like that before. You know, this is very common. You don't have to, it's very common. If you've got um, little kids, I mean, you feel like that all the time. You you go Black Friday shopping, you get a new TV, like maybe you should have waited a decade because the kids are (laughs) going to break that. What are you doing throwing a football at the TV? I'm playing catch. You know, we've created a phrase in our English language about this. You've probably said it. You've probably heard about it. But it's we're It's uh, walking on eggshells. And that this feeling. You, you know, um, my my Michelle's grandmother didn't make me feel this way, but I put that on myself. Like walking on eggshells. Like every little thing the kids did, I'd be like, "Come on, get away!" And and I was at high tension, trying to. Be careful. Now, we cannot walk on eggshells around people. And this Frank, to walk on eggshells, I'll put this up here so we're all understanding this, to be overly careful in dealing with a person or situation because they get angry or offended very easily. So this was not, this is not at all described uh, my grandmother, but this can describe our relationship with a lot of different people. You may be like thinking like, yes, that's my spouse. I just, I've walked on eggshells around them for decades now. And uh, because they just are offended at the drop of a hat or they just get angry very easily. And so you're always kind of walking and trying to be kind of a peacekeeper and to keep them from losing their cool. It could be about a parent. Some of you have parents like that. And uh, don't raise your hand. Um, but, uh, uh, but, may, but certainly, we have that. It could be a boss, and you just never know who, what boss is going to be there that day. Is it the nice, benevolent boss, or is it the maleficent boss? Like, who's going to be there today? And then, it could be a neighbor. Unfortunately, it could be a pastor. And you know what? Um, this may describe some of you who are here today who are feeling a bit uncomfortable, because you feel like you need to walk on eggshells around God. You think and describe, put that definition up there for me again. You when you think about God, this is you think that God gets angry or offended very easily. And and so to be here at church, to, you know, maybe it's been 10 years of someone inviting you till you finally came because you're like, I just can't. If I go to church, what's going to happen? What are they going to treat me? What's God going to do? Is it going to be lightning? Is it going to be a building collapse? Is it going to be a plague of frogs? Like, what is God going to do to me? Imagine if we're in church and God just did a plague of frogs on one single person in the <laughs> auditorium. Just like, <laughs> like, man, I would honestly like to meet you uh, because they were like, "Who are you? Tell me your story." <laughs> What, we haven't, what happens when we, when we like feel like we need to walk on eggshells around God, it can make you scared to come. You can m- maybe wrongly think that God is angry at you. And even while you're in a church building or in a service, you're so afraid of doing or saying the wrong thing while you're here. Listen, relax, all right? We've seen it all. We've experienced it all. Um, I remember... One time, a first-time guest came to service and their kid pulled the fire alarm. That's the only time it's ever happened. It was their first Sunday. They they were embarrassed. I'm like, well, let me give you a tour around the building of all the scars this building has for my own children. (laughs) Um, We get it, we understand. We're all people, I'm not perfect. This morning I ironed my shirt and melted it right here. (laughs) We're not perfect. Like, oh, pastor, you're wearing a suit jacket because it's Easter? Because I had no choice. (laughs) I forced myself into this. Well, what is God like? Does he want us to walk around eggshells around him? Now, why would we think of this? Well, certainly movies portray this. Um, and uh, I, I tried to find a, like a clip maybe from The Simpsons, and there's a lot of clips of God being angry, but, but really none that are redeeming that we could necessarily show here. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of clips, a lot of pop culture things about God being angry. We hear this from other people. you have experienced this from other people. If you've ever gone to another church where they are kind of judgmental, pointing fingers, they don't smile, they sneer. Uh, if you ever experienced people like that, you think, well, they're representatives of Jesus, they're representatives of his Father God, that must be what he's like too. And this can create for us a, uh, an understanding of God that isn't accurate. But also, you know what, if you even look at the Bible, You begin to read and you begin to see this this part of God, this this way of trying to understand God that would make you think like, okay, don't make him mad. Don't mess with him. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 28. He said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. All right, so I don't know if you've ever, like, don't be afraid of them, they cannot touch your soul. That's a very profound truth there. But the point I wanna point out is, fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's Jesus. He knows his Father. And he, what he's saying is like, okay, thank you, I'll walk on eggshells now. I was just getting casual. Pastor Nate just made me laugh. And now here we go again. Jesus is like, are we allowed to drink coffee in here? They told me, but what does God really say? And we feel that panic. But today, we, you know, we've been in this series off and on through the whole year titled Like Jesus. And the thing we're gonna talk about for just a couple more minutes today is this And Pastor Jeremy, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to have to help me. That tells me I've already gone over 17 minutes long. I have no idea how long I've been talking. And uh, we've got so many people here today that I don't want to um, bore them to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So we are free. What we want to talk about free like Jesus. And, And here's the connection point today that I want to you to experience. Because of Jesus, you're free from having to walk on eggshells around God. There's a freedom that he has for you that you don't have to be afraid of God. You don't have to be, We have to walk around eggshells around him. You don't have to worry that one wrong move and it's gonna be, that was not as dramatic as I hoped. <laughs> but it's just gonna be the end of your life. Just a little bit of teaching here, a little bit of of background. How do we know this? How can we understand this? Because we understand what Jesus just said. When Jesus is saying to fear God, he isn't saying to be afraid of God. And this is really a hard concept for a lot of people to understand. He's saying fear God, but that does not mean to be afraid of him and uh, Let's talk about guns here for a second, all right? And I know we have a wide spectrum of people who have beliefs about guns. I'm not here preaching. Guns weren't in the Bible. It was swords. So that's why I carry this sword, this samurai sword on my back. Um, You think it's a weird growth here, but that's just the handle and just a quick... Talk about guns, all right? There's a difference between fearing guns and being afraid of guns. Nearly all gun owners fear guns. Nearly all, they're like, why would you own guns if you fear them? Well, because there's a difference between being afraid and being fearful of them. People who are afraid of them, don't go near them and don't use them because they're afraid of them. People who fear them, it means you respect them while you enjoy them. And so, you know, you think about if you've ever gone to a gun range, you're, the rules for a gun range are stricter than, than, uh, than a Catholic school in the 1960s, all right? <laughs> it is so strict, these rules at a gun range. Why? Because everybody wants to enjoy them, and, no, and, and none of the rules at the gun range or none of the rules of handling a gun are to diminish the fun, What's the age-old gun thing? Don't look down the barrel. Why? Like, you're trying to take away my fun. Like, no, you idiot. <laughs> Has nothing to do with taking, is we're to fear guns, we understand what they're capable of doing, but we don't necessarily need to be afraid of them. If you, um, if you, you know, rules don't diminish the fund, but instead they allowed continued life and enjoyment. And think about this for a second. The wages of mishandling guns is death. Now, fear God, respect him, understand his power, enjoy him. Follow the rules he established for this life And recognize that it's not to diminish your fun, but it's to allow you the opportunity to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised and to experience the eternal enjoyment that he has for you. Fearing God, don't be afraid of him, but understand who he is. Understand the power he has over both flesh and soul, and then enjoy him. If we mishandle God, if we say, God, who cares? I'll look down the barrel. Then what happens? What does it say in the book of Romans? Well, the wages of sin is death. So think about that for a minute. We... You gotta, what I want you to, God does not want you to be afraid of Him. In fact, in Scripture, what does God say? He wants to be your Father. He wants to adopt you. That, uh, you know, we talked about this a few months ago. God wants to give you good gifts. Jesus says he wants to give you life, an abundant life, life to the overflow, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. When God works in your life, you'll have love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like those are the good things he wants to cultivate and bring to life in your life. Wouldn't you like more of that? Wouldn't you like your kids to have more of that? It is this promise and this invitation into what God has for us. So listen, we need to fear God, respect God. But then there's, continues on, Romans chapter five, verse number nine says this. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, that's Jesus' blood shed on that cross, which is part of what we celebrate this weekend. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. What is this saying? Hey, because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the blood he shed, because of the forgiveness we have in our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross, guess what? We are free from walking on eggshells around God because we've been forgiven, because we've been made righteous, because now any wrath of God, we will never, ever, ever even come close to experiencing that. All the wrath that God had was poured out on Jesus on that cross. He freed us from walking on eggshells. Now, I want to read you another passage of Scripture in John chapter eight, and it says this, "'Then many who heard him say these things "'believed in him. "'Jesus said to the people who believed in him, "'You are truly my disciples "'if you remain faithful to my teachings, "'and you will know the truth, "'and the truth will set you free.'" Not just from walking on eggshells, but from a whole variety of things. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. These were his followers. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone. Everyone. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free... You are truly free. Because of what Jesus did, not just dying on that cross, but when three days later on that Sunday morning when he rose from the grave, he freed us from insecurity. He freed us from anxiety. He freed us from shame. He freed us from trauma. He freed us from sin. He freed us from substances. He freed us from pornography. He freed us from sickness. He freed us from demons. He freed us from poverty. He freed us from family curses. He freed us from guilt. He freed us from condemnation. He freed us from judgment. He freed us from people-pleasing. He freed us from fear. He freed us from religion. He freed us from having to walk on eggshells around God. We can be free Like Jesus was free. He was never, ever afraid of his father. And we don't have to be either. God wants to create such a relationship with you that you have an open door. He he has an open door policy with you. You just walk in unannounced. You don't even knock. You don't even like knock and then open the door and say, anybody home no you just go in if they're not home doesn't matter you go in you sit on the couch you eat what food you want you cook what you want you leave when you want it's an open door interaction and friendship and relationship with him how do we know this where does it prove this well we always want to look to scripture we always want to look to scripture to help us frame and understand god not according to what people say or according to how what feels good to us But Hebrews chapter four, verse number 16, look at this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Boldly. That's not walking on eggshells. Boldly. That when you enter the throne room of the living God, you come in in your full personality. Some of you are quiet and, hey God, hey, fist bump. (laughs) Somebody may be like, wow, I love what you've done with the pledge, God. <laughs> and I may want you to simmer down, but God created you. <laughs> There's a difference between bold and brazen. We want to boldly come in. The throne room of God will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. God wants you to interact with him, but there's a difference between boldness and brazen. Brazen person shows up to a club with a handgun in his pants and shoots himself like the New York Giants player he was. All right, there's a difference between brazenly yielding a gun or brazenly come before God and be like, hey, God, you know what are you going to do? How are you going to serve me? No, I don't think that's sin, God. I think you've got it wrong. No, I don't think I need to do that, God. I'll do what I want to do, and you'll let me into heaven anyway. Got that, God? There's a difference between bold and brazen. Now, here's what I want you to do, as I, I'm going to end my time of, of teaching and We're gonna continue singing. The next time you find yourself afraid of God, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why am I afraid right now? The next time you're in a church service and you feel like, I need to leave, ask yourself, why am I afraid right now? The next time it's a Sunday morning and it's time to go to church and you're like, I can't do it, I'm not gonna go, ask yourself, why am I afraid right now? Is there something I'm hiding? From God. We know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God. You can't hide from Him. He knows where you are, He knows what's going on, he, he knows what you did. Maybe you ask, Is there something I need to confess? So rather than hiding Him, just be honest with Him and allow Him to forgive you. Or maybe even begin to think Is there a wrong thing that I believe about God? Maybe you've been listening to people and you haven't been listening to scripture. Maybe you've been listening to the podcast and you haven't been listening to God. And so it's caused you to believe that he is angry, that he is a loose cannon. So if you find yourself afraid from God, how do you move from, from being afraid to just a place of fear? And we need to fear God. We need to respect him. We need to know that he's powerful and that he is the judge. Not according to other countries, not according to our neighbor, not according to our own standards. He is the judge. First, 2 uh, Corinthians 5.17 says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Because of Jesus, the old way of living, it's over. We don't have to live and do every single thing right and being afraid of doing any single thing wrong. We just follow Jesus. We are saved by our faith, by our belief. And when we believe and follow Jesus, we become a new creation. When God looks at us now as people who have received Jesus, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Jesus, who is perfect, God now sees that righteousness on you. Second Corinthians 5, 21, and I'll close with this. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, for your sin. Think about those things that you think God would never forgive or that you would hope no one else in the room would ever find out about. If you ask Jesus, he'll forgive you. So God made Jesus, who had never sinned to be the offering for our sin, to take the punishment and the wrath for our sin. God did that. Jesus did that because he doesn't want you to walk on eggshells around him. He did that so that we could be made made right with God through Christ. There's a, a theme in scripture. There's this um, word in, in scripture in that's used in church. It's deliverer. And it's an understanding that Jesus came and he rescued us. He delivered us from being in bondage to sin. He delivered us from having to be perfect people and follow every rule in order to take uh, and be able to stand before God. He delivered us from all of that. And that's one of the reasons we celebrate. Will you close your eyes and allow me to pray for you? And maybe you're here just thinking, oh, I've been afraid. I don't wanna be afraid anymore. To do that is a simple prayer, not to me, but to him as you sit in your seat, you can whisper this to him. You can write this down, you know, on, on, your, on your notebook or whatever you've got with you. you. Say, God, I don't want to be afraid anymore. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died on that cross and rose again. And now... I'm recognizing that I need you to be my savior. I need you to free me from all these things in my life, free me from sin, free me from my past, free me from these problems, and free me from walking on eggshells around your father. Be my savior and be my God. I choose today to follow you. As you say that, in whatever words you remember, as you say that, just really from your heart maybe you only get a few of those words out what does god do he forgives you the blood of jesus purifies you and you are righteous and you are adopted into the family of god and you are now a new creation the old is gone you're starting a new life today and we are so excited to be a part of that with you Jesus, I pray for everyone in our services. I pray you free us from religion, free us from trying to do right, free us from adding rules, free us from condemnation. May we truly follow you and enjoy you and experience you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross. Thank you, Jesus. That that wasn't the end, but you just decided I will rise again and you woke up defeating death, defeating anything that could possibly conquer us and keep us from you, all defeated in the moment you walked out of that tomb. We thank you for that and we praise you for that. Thank you, Jesus, for being our rescuer, for being our deliverer, for being our friend and our savior. Thank you, God, for sending him after us. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.